This morning, we're going to be talking about healthy churches. I'm so interested in church health. I'm convinced that the church in Africa, maybe a little bit more localized in South Africa, even more localized, the church down the road, that the church in Africa needs health. That in too many ways, we are experiencing a season of ill health, of unwholesomeness. And I'm interested in in defining health to one degree or another. I've been thinking about it for years. I know that you brothers have as well. And so I, I thought that this morning we could start off the show by, by talking about church health. We could engage with our listening audience, uh, engage with them around issues of um, health, around issues of what makes up a healthy church. What what do you dream of? What, what, what are your hopes and your desires? Maybe for the church that you attend, maybe for the church that you're looking for. What are you looking for when you think of healthy church? And I thought that maybe, guys, we could start off by by putting forward a mark of what you believe a healthy church is, each one of us uh, individually. So three marks of the healthy okay. church, beginning with uh, with Tepo, uh, with mark number one. Tepo, when you think of the church, when you think of your church, when you think of the church down the road, when you think of the church in Mamelodi, in the wider Pretoria city, and in Gauteng as a whole, South Africa as a whole, when you think of what constitutes a healthy church, what is the first mark, brother, that you think of? In other words, this is a non-negotiable, anything less than this, and you will not have health. What do you think of when you think of church health? Yeah, um, I think for me it would be the, the gospel, um, the word of God preached in that um, church, and mainly the soundness of the doctrines that uh, people gather around to be taught. And maybe I think it would be good maybe just to take a step back and to say, what is a church? Okay. Why, if we speak of the health of the church, sure. maybe try to well, let's start there. help our listeners to understand yeah. what, what is a church and then what, what makes a gathering a church and... And, and not just a couple yeah. of people standing yes. in a circle singing kumbaya yeah. <laughs> yes so so yes we know that the bible says the church is the body of christ the church is what christ builds himself mm. and and so forth but i think even as we speak of this max you will see that they they fit into that definition of what a church um, is so five from the hip brother what is the definition of a church I think a, for me it would be a, a, a faceless a church. Would, uh, I'm looking at it a, a local institution because you, we can go broad and say all of God's people sure. are, mm -hmm. are the church and everybody who saved and believed in Jesus is part of the church. But let's just narrow it down to the local church. Um, what is a local church? Um, it's a, a group of believers who gather in an organized and institutionalized manner uh, in that a church would have certain things that other gatherings might not necessarily have um, and, and, and so forth. So a church would have some of the marks which we are uh, probably, I don't know what you guys would <laughs> point out as a mark, but you'd have, for, for instance, a defined leadership, a defined membership, and 
a a a defined local identity of who these people are. For instance, we have Central Baptist um, Church, and you'd have uh, other Baptist churches which recognize each other as um, individualized organization, but one of the bigger body of Christ. So, without going into deep, um, yeah, I would also maybe say Heshima could add uh, to to. To this definition, come interested to hear your definition, Hashimi. Is he's on 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 the right pattern? I'm gonna uh, pick up after him. But a church is after the New Testament pattern of Scripture, and so every generation and it's every church, every local assembly <clears throat> is to get back to the New Testament pattern as much as possible, and so in that sense is we're always reforming, is we're always uh, becoming more... Semper reformata est. <laughs> the church reformed is always reforming. That's in Hebrew, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Latin, but close enough. <laughs> uh, it's, it's what does the scripture say is a church? And, and, and so for me, I, I begin, it's with the sovereign grace of God, the preaching of Christ, the the mm. the adherence unto scriptures alone of the actual is the body as as we work uh, together and and if it's a church it's in mission is to plant and to strengthen other churches so that's a lot right there but i want to be according unto scripture in every way possible absolutely adding nothing and subtracting nothing couple of things uh conrad shout out to the team uh wants to thank us for the informative show once again and uh wants to take an opportunity to pray to the lord jesus christ uh give him praise for all of his promises uh penny says we still don't know how to spell hashemu's name <laughs> with smiley faces afterwards uh penny um our thoughts and prayers are with you sister <laughs> <laughs> hey can i give a definition of the church from my perspective i'm actually going to give two definitions the one is um a, a historical definition um, I, I'm going to make an appeal to the Baptist Catechism, and that's an old catechism, maybe 16. Uh, look, the Confession came out in 1689. I think the Catechism is about 1679 or 1684, 86, round about there. But in the get Baptist Catechism, the question is, what is the church visible? What is the visible church as opposed to the invisible church? The people throughout all time in every place who call upon the name of the Lord. But what is the visible church? What, what is the definition? of the church that you are going to go to on Sunday? And the answer is this. It is an organized society. You mentioned organization of professing believers. You mentioned membership, and I thought that that was good. Um, it is the organized society of professing believers in all ages and places where the gospel is truly preached. I think both of you mentioned the preaching of God's word, the gospel, though. Not just not just where somebody stands in front and mm. explains the meaning of individual verses in a lecture-like fashion, but where that 
preaching is connected to the gospel that Jesus died and that he rose and that Jesus is the center of everything, that the gospel is truly preached and the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper are administered in true faith. And those two ordinances, very important. It's part of our visible representation and declaration and proclamation to a watching world. It's what defines us. It's what makes us different from maybe a parachurch organization. You know, there's lots of parachurch organizations that are involved with the promotion and propagation of the gospel but they're not the church mm-hmm. what what makes the church different well the church is different because it is within the church that we have communion that we um that we exercise baptisms and uh, although th- i think that this definition and this is a definition which steps right out of the reformation although i think this definition is good my favorite definition of the church is a contemporary one uh, written by Jonathan Lehman, who writes for Nine Marks. I think Jonathan Lehman is just an absolutely sharp mind. And he adds, he adds a little bit to the reformers. He says that a local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather. And I like using that word gather because it draws on the, on the word ecclesia. It draws on that idea of the called out ones, the gathered ones, the assembly. Um, it's a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name. In other words, it's not just your local football club. It's not your local golf club. No, these are people who gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership. I do think that church membership is intrinsically important to what defines a church. I think without church membership, you don't have a clue who's in and out. And I think, for myself at least, that church discipline is the litmus of church health. And we'll get to that in a little while. But to uh, affirm and oversee one another's church, uh, one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. This recognition that the ordinances are to be gospel-based too. That uh, we're not just having communion, sharing a meal together. We're not just uh, dunking people underneath water and holding them down for as long as possible. No, that these ordinances are to reflect something of the gospel message to God's world. I do see that uh, Bar says on Facebook, Galatians 5.12 mentions factions. Is that not what we call denominations? Bar, great question. We'll get to that uh, in a moment. Um, but maybe just to mm-hmm. to add, uh, I mean, we've spoken about general definitions of the mm-hmm. church. Anything that you uh, want to reflect on or anything that you want to add to that discussion, Tipple? No, I and I'm keen for us to get to your Mark 1 of a healthy <laughs> church in yeah. South Africa. But, but yeah. continue, brother. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree uh, with uh, what both of you um, have said um, and the comprehensive definition um, of a church. I think it's helpful because for a lot of people, I mean, if you would ask uh, what is a church, probably they'll point you to a certain building um, and so forth because they can read on a map church uh, here or there. But yeah. for us, it's it's more deeper. We are we are That's God's, a great point. Yes, bring it out. Yeah, we are God's people, um, and I think the center for me is is Christ and His gospel, um, His word, what what He has said um, in His in His word, and I think that's what gives the church. Um, what gives birth to the church is the is the word is the gospel of Jesus Christ as he spoke I think uh, to Peter in 
I wrote it down now. But Jesus uh, tells Peter in Matthew 16, I think, mm-hmm. um, where he asks, who do people say I am? And Peter says, you are the son. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood is not revealed it to you but my father in heaven and he goes on to say um i say to you upon this rock i will build my church and and so forth so the church as Heishima said um it, it must have its identity from the new testament in the words of jesus christ that statement that jesus christ is the son the, the christ the messiah the son of the living god gives birth to the church. I know there's a another version mainly um, held by the Roman Catholics who says they give birth, the church gives birth to the word, they give birth to the scriptures, but we are saying the, Jesus Christ and, and everything he has said gives birth to, to the church. And that's where we gather around when we come as a church to gather. We gather around the, the word, the gospel um, of Jesus Christ, not uh, some uh, social thing we want to change or even those are important but the main thing we gather around is, as God's people we gather around the way to the gospel of Jesus and that would be the one mark um, uh, I would espouse I know in so, so so help help me out here are we saying that the mark is related to the gathering to the gospel or to the preaching Yes. Oh, that, that was that was a multiple choice question rather than a, a, a single statement. Or are we going to wrap all of those together and say that our first mark is that we gather for the preaching of the gospel? Yes. Okay, I like that. We gather for the preaching of the gospel. Come on, Hashem, I know you love the gospel. You're an evangelist, brother. Yes, sir. Reflect a little bit on what Tipu was saying. His point that Christ made on this rock, it is on this confession it's I will build my church, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you expand that, if you analyze it, that is the message of the gospel. That must be there. Even if a church has no pastor, it is still a church if they meet up under the gospel message if they are united in the truth of Christ. And so every church, it, 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 it ought to have a pastor. But if the pastor died or left, it doesn't cease to be a church. It's a church as in, that is in need of a pastor because it has this message of Christ crucified in the truth of the gospel that I call sovereign grace, or it's it is often called it's the grace of God. It's it is the it is the true teaching of the gospel. Um, it's another point that was made is is in the membership. So in the book of Acts, it's the membership into the body of Christ. It was made how? Well, it was confessed in baptism. And each person that was baptized at the day of Pentecost, that person immediately was added unto the church. 
And I think that is an important distinction. If we go all the way back to the Bible, if we want to do things biblically in, in, in each and every way, is you don't baptize a person if they're not a true child of God. And if he's a true child of God, he has as much right in the house of God as anybody else does. So let's uh, give this a, um, a, a single sentence definition. We've got the first mark of a healthy church in Africa is the gathering for the preaching of the gospel. Second mark of a healthy church in Africa, and just to kind of condense and consolidate what I think you've said, Heishamu, is a healthy church in Africa gathers to baptize regenerated believers into church membership. Into the body of Christ, yes, sir. I, I, I love that. Heishamu or Tepo, why is church membership so important to church health in Africa? I think um, membership, in its broader sense, um, is is important to because membership is the basis of um, duties and responsibility. Okay, and I'll explain that by saying, um, even in your own household, you know who's in and you know who who's out. You know uh, when you sleep and you lock the doors and who's out and who's in. You know who you are responsible for, who you should be asking mm, if mm. you don't see them there. Mm. So I know in my own house how many we are and who's in and who's out. I mean, let, let me just illustrate what yeah. you're saying. It's 100% true. My oldest daughter is now 21. Um, she's old enough to kind of go out at night. Uh, she'll often go to Bible study on a Wednesday. She goes to a young adults group rather than Bible study at mom and dad's house. We miss it terribly. Um, oh, on a Thursday. Um, if she was out, look, she's now actually moved out of the house, but, but if she was out and it was like 10 o'clock, hey man, I'm not going to bed until she's back mm. because she's my daughter and she's a member of my household and I will worry about her until she returns. Mm. Turns out that... Uh, um, the same would be true for any of my children or for my wife. Like mm -hmm. I care about who's a member of my household. And because they, precisely because they are members of the household, they have special privileges. Yes. Like dad stays up until you get home. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's the same um, uh, with the church. Um, members of a church have certain benefits from the church um, as you are saying it might not be i'm not i don't want to go into tangible things but just as you said you worry about your kids when they are not there so the members of the church worry about each other we worry about our spiritual well-being how are we doing um, and so forth and also in in terms of life um like day-to-day -day living, um, members of the church will take uh, responsibility for, for one another, help each other, and so forth. And we also know that we have a duty towards this grouping um, called members of, mm. of our church. And just to to say something that um, I think it was Conrad Mbewe who said this. Words. Come on now. That's like one of my favorite African preachers. Yeah, he says a, a church is not something you join. Is something you submit to. Hmm. 
Oh, you can say that again. It's so, so profound. So a church <laughs> is not something you join, but it's something you, you submit to. So it's not because mm. I signed the membership form, then I'm a member of this church. But it's, it's not like being a member of a golf club. Yes. <laughs> this is something more. So I submit to the leadership, to my, my fellow brethren, the church as a whole, and it leads to that discipline to say, when, when, when there are things that the church needs to correct mm. or to address in my own personal life, well, I don't want us to rush to discipline too much because yeah. I'm going to make that my mark that I add. Oh, okay. But so far, so far we've got, I, I do want to quote a verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief so that mm. that would, because that would be unprofitable to you. So maybe just to say, even as you're listening in, um, listeners, uh, if, if these are the marks of a faithful biblical church in Africa, a healthy church in Africa, if the marks, and so far we've got two, are a healthy church in Africa gathers for the preaching of the gospel, and then number two, a healthy church in Africa gathers to baptize regenerate believers into church membership. I think there's already application for you, the listener, uh, into this. Uh, application number one would be what kind of pulpit are you submitted to on any given Sunday? And um, for some of you, you're not submitted to a pulpit. You, maybe you're listening to, uh, I don't know, sermons online, or maybe you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs or lying on the pool on a lilo. Friend, that's not good enough. <laughs> you mm. need to wake up on a Sunday morning. You need to drive your family to a church and sit under the faithful preaching of God's word. Number two, in terms of application, and Roland Eskenazi, I see you, brother. Good to, be, good to see programming continuing. Greetings from Brussels. Shout out to Brussels. Lovely to have you with us uh, this morning. Number two, in terms of a healthy church in Africa, gathers to baptize regenerate believers into church membership. Friends, um, give some thought to where you are a member. Give some thought to what church you are. Are you just attending church on a Sunday, sitting at the back of a thousand-seater, hiding in the dark corners, mm -hmm. um, not involved, not connected, maybe giving something, but other than that, very little participation in the actual ministry? That's not God's best for you. <laughs> God mm -hmm. desires... Um, us to be members, just like a body is made up of many members. I've got like, you know, holding my hands up right now, 10 fingers and a, and a nose and two eyes. And I need all of those things to function well. So too, the local church is made up of members of that body that the Holy Spirit adds to the body. If you're not a member of a church, you are missing out on opportunities to serve. But the church is missing out on you. <laughs> and uh, dare I say it, I believe that you might be in a sinful state. Um, short of the discipline of God, what will make you move toward a healthy participation with a healthy church? Friends, I, I hope it's the show. <laughs> I hope you're listening in and coming under some kind of conviction right now. Um, can I give a listener engaged mark of a healthy church? It's a listener that I'm very familiar with. It's Glenn Williams, long-time listener. Glenn um, is engaged with an organization called Makanyua Theological College, often advocate for Makanyua. I think that they are a great college which gives a great service to the church in South Africa. Glenn says also, a healthy church in Africa is one that goes out to spread the true gospel. One that goes out to spread the true gospel. I think 
that a healthy church engages in missions and engages in evangelism. And I'm putting both of those on the table because I think that there's a slight difference between the two and both are important to church health overall. I don't know. Hey, Shimu, mm. you're the evangelist. Come on, get, get talking. <laughs> it's, it's you men were discussing earlier is the membership is a commitment. If I'm born again, is I'm all about a house of God and the local church. It's my family. It's my brothers, my sisters. It's, it's my life is the church of God. It's I am committed unto these people uh, with everything I got. But it isn't only a commitment unto, unto, that, is, that is actually unto one local church. And I think it's a problem here is if I make it into my church and then it's going to be your church and his church. I think at the New Testament pattern, it was actually only one church. And each expression of that, if I'm in Antioch or if if I'm in uh, Jerusalem, I'm committed unto that assembly. But if I travel or if I move or if I'm an evangelist over here, I'm still a part of this other body also because, A, I'm a baptized member of the body of Christ. And everywhere I go, if, if I'm in Pretoria, if I'm in Cape Town, if I'm in San Jose, I'm going to be committed unto the local church as to where I'm at. But it could be one, it could be two, it could be three churches that I attend each and every week. Mm. So I I think that that would be, um, for me anyway, a helpful distinction Mm. between the universal church and um, the local church. The local church is an individual manifestation of that greater body of Christ. The greater mm-hmm. body of Christ is that universal expression of the church. That's the, that, that's the church universal. It's every believer in every place um, throughout all of time who has called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is true to say that if I'm a believer, I'm a member of the church. Let's call it the church with the capital C. And that church means that I have certain rights and privileges, never mind where I go. And um, you expect to have sweet fellowship with believers if you are on holiday down at the coast. Um, um, Because you are a member of the church, you know, when you go on holiday, you expect believers to go to church wherever they might be found. Mm -hmm. You expect believers to care about churches wherever those churches might be. It's one of the reasons why we really care about the persecuted church. (laughs) Whether you're in South Africa or whether you're in San Jose, San Jose? No, mm-hmm. no, no. The Valley. Yeah. Um, uh, it doesn't matter where you're from or where you are. When you hear of Christians persecuted, I, w- I, was, with a, I was with a dear friend, uh, Stefan. He is a missionary to Ukraine. Um, I, I'm engaged with his ministry. Pray for him faithfully. He's here in South Africa for three weeks returning to Ukraine. He's a permanent missionary uh, in Ukraine, been serving there for 20 years. Obviously, Ukraine is presently in war, but that hasn't stopped him serving. He and his whole family have remained in Ukraine. There's a sense that the church is under immense pressure in Ukraine. Might not be persecuted in the way that we might talk about persecution in Middle Eastern 
um, countries. Um, but in Ukraine right now, the, the church is taking a massive strain as war fatigue sets in amongst the people. When I hear his story, man, my heart breaks. I mean, like, I'm sitting with a tear in my eye, trying not to cry because I'm trying to strengthen him, <laughs> not trying to show how weak I am. But, but my weakness is because my heart breaks for him when he talks about pastors under incredible stress. But that's because I'm connected. We're one body. Uh, if I have understood yes, some of what you're saying, Hashemi, yeah. we're one body. We're, we're the church with the capital C. When the church hurts in one part of the world, it hurts all of us. You know, it's just like if I had to pinch you, Tipple, I didn't actually pinch you, but uh, um, but guys that are watching on Facebook right, right now might have thought I did pinch you. But if I had to pinch you on your arm, well, you, your whole body's going to react. I mean, like, you know, you, you might stand up and punch me um, because uh, you, you're feeling pain. Well, so it's true when we hear of brothers or sisters coming into pain in um, East Asian countries or in North African countries. Um, we hurt, yeah, in South Africa. Um, because there is a relationship between the church local and the church universal. However, let me say this. I do believe that when we take membership um, in the church, we take membership in a local community of saints. And it's for this reason. It's so that those who are charged with leading that community, the elders, the pastors, the deacons, know who is in and who is out, know who, the, who makes up the majority. And when it comes to making decisions within the context of the local church, we read in both 1 Corinthians as well as get some semblance of that idea in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6 in particular, that it is the majority which decides. And unless we know who that majority is, mm -hmm. unless we know who constitutes um, those who have the authority to make that decision we stand in 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 the problem that uh, that anybody could be making those decisions and so a uh, local church membership i think is best described as those who came into the church on the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 verse 41 uh, 3000 were added to their number that day those who were being saved um and i think it is given its best expression in 1 corinthians chapter I'm going to go with five um, and then again in two Corinthians where we have a description of church discipline uh, where the majority puts a man out and later where a majority brings a person, is encouraged to bring a person back in. Um, but we'll be discussing that. Um, I'm smiling, friends. Uh, I'm enjoying this conversation. Um, what constitutes a healthy church in Africa? Uh, we've already put down three marks uh, in terms of uh, studio as to what constitutes a healthy church in Africa. We've spoken about a healthy church in Africa gathers for the preaching of the gospel. We've said a healthy church in Africa gathers to baptize regenerate believers into church membership. And our last conversation was around evangelism mm -hmm. and missions, although we extended it uh, a little bit. Um, but maybe to summarize that point, a healthy church in Africa gathers to spread the gospel to its neighborhood, its city, its country, and even to the ends of the world. Now, as we've been <laughs> on song break, uh, Glenn Williams, who's clearly enjoying the conversation himself, um, has put in a fourth mark. And it's the fourth mark that we were talking about in studio in terms of the next one that we wanted to put on the table. So it's kind of funny. Glenn, you beat us to it. We were we on the same track as you. Um, Glenn says, a healthy church, 
uh, in Africa is one that is led by a plurality of godly, biblically qualified elders who are held accountable to God's word um, um, by each other and the members of their local church. I even like the way that you've articulated it, Glenn. And the reason why we were going in that direction as well um, was because we see so much abuse regarding church leadership um, in the context that we serve. And so, yeah, I mean, Heishimi, you've got plenty of experience mm. in terms of the church in Nigeria. Tepo, you've got plenty of of experience in terms of the church in uh, Mamelodi. I, I was wondering if maybe we could just kind of step into this idea of what, uh, godly, biblically qualified elders are, and what is their relationship between leading the church and being held accountable, both by each other in terms of the eldership, but also by the members of the church that they serve? Yeah, I think it, it is absolutely important that it's, it's the scriptures are our only authority. And so the scriptures, they delegate the um, authority that is going to be unto pastors, it's going to be unto elders. In in the New Testament pattern, each man that is qualified to be an elder is to be an elder, and each man that is that is an elder is to be held accountable. Hang on, come on, so. You and I might differ okay. on this point, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. But but just repeat what you said so that I make sure I understand what I'm responding to. Each man who's qualified to be an elder should be an elder. Absolutely. So, so let's say you've got a 25-year-old man mm -hmm. who is handling the scriptures right. He's 25. He's not yet married. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't have a lot of age under his belt. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, people around him like him. He's got a good reputation with outsiders. Are you saying that that man ought to be an elder? If he's qualified. Church of 120 with uh, 60 men that uh, effectively are qualified, all 60 men should be elders? That would be a very powerful church, and it ought to be planting 100 churches. Okay, I'm definitely going to take a slightly <laughs> different view to but, you on this, but but, mm -hmm. but 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 maybe make the rest of your point before mm -hmm. we continue on. Well, it's, it's the scriptures... They're the ones that will instruct us as, as, as to who is an elder. And it's the only thing I can do is acknowledge that this man has been, has been gifted by God. He's mature. He's faithful. He's holy. It's an ambition that is in his heart. And if the Holy Spirit has actually met, if, if the Holy Spirit qualifies, is that I don't have a right unto to is is I don't have a right to speak unto this man and say, well, even though you're qualified by God, is I don't think so. Okay. I, I yeah. I, so yeah, yeah. As the the shotgun, I'm getting ready. Uh, do you want to use it first, or should I? <laughs> no, come and tip for uh, anything. Any kind of like response? Where do you sit in this particular point? Yeah, I I think um, one of the marks of a healthy church is uh, what the Bible prescribes, which I would use the term pluralcity of of leaders. Um, uh, in 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 a sense of a church is led by the the elders, and uh, not not necessarily one man. Um, 
you can have uh, there usually different terms uh, they say a a a leader among equals and so forth but uh, the eldership the is the one that that leads and the the bible i mean it says that uh, if you look at first timothy 3 paul uh, speaks on to what of these qualities or some would say qualifications a an elder must have and mm. titus chapter 2 paul paul lays the the ground so it's not something that we have thought uh, but it's something that the bible instructs and i would say i do agree um in in a way uh, with what heishim was saying and i also agree with what you're saying i haven't said what i'm um, gonna say yet <laughs> yeah but you you were pushing back on <laughs> on the issue of like every person being an elder which i would say um that makes sense uh, that we can all all be elders in one church but we can all be elder ready, not elder ready but have have those qualities that the bible the bible espouses as men so we should be pushing that every man not elder appointed but every man in the church be elder qualified meaning live up to those standards that the bible the bible has has set not necessarily appoint every man into the eldership and so forth that is that is something else but we can uh, train and 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 push and pray and and fight that every man in that church meaning elders are not this group who are living in this in this way and this is like like them and everybody else is down there and and so forth but mm -hmm. we can say brothers this is the standard that god wants all of us to to be um, at and 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 be i agree with elder, that yeah so so let me let me let me mm -hmm. say hey Shumi, just mm -hmm. in in terms of response like mm -hmm. I, I actually uh, i appreciate the I appreciate the kind of like the opening of the gate in terms of there the should be many more people that we are advancing toward eldership. I think sometimes we are too slow to acknowledge men into the role of elders as the church in Africa. And, and, and for that, we lack good qualified men that are there um, acting in the roles that in the role that are available. But I don't believe that every man that's qualified ought to be an elder. And, and let me give you three biblical reasons why not because i'm a baptist everything must happen in three because there's father son and Holy spirit and so there will be a, a, a three-point response um to not every man who's qualified can be an elder so the first one is um it's not just about qualification in scripture in 1 timothy chapter 3 it says the man who desires to be an elder um, desires or aspires to a noble task and that is both an internal and an external compulsion mm -hmm. um, and so just because you have men that are qualified to be elders in a church doesn't mean that they ought to act as elders if they lack that aspiration he's unqualified that, then okay but but in reality in terms of the qualifications that are then further listed in that passage, mm -hmm. uh, this would be one way, that one reason to negate a man. Number two, uh, in terms of that, in in terms of the conversation, is that we have biblical record that not every man who's qualified to be an elder is appointed to be an elder, and there I would appear 
uh, I would appeal to Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, we have men that are um, put into the role of deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them in particular, Stephen and uh, Philip, seem well qualified to act as elders rather than prototype deacons. They're not called deacons in Acts chapter 6. This is pre um, uh, kind of like uh, that kind of structure And it might be that it works out later um, in the process uh, But it seems that men who bear the qualifications of elders Can serve as either elders or deacons um, In actual fact, in terms of the qualifications that are laid down in 1 Timothy chapter 3 The only distinction between those two men is the ability to teach mm-hmm. um, And yet we see in both Philip and in Stephen this ability to teach. Philip is later described as an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Stephen himself is uh, very clearly gifted to mm-hmm. teach. And we have, in fact, the longest recorded sermon in all of Scripture mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 6 and 7 ascribed to Stephen. But here's my, here's my third um, kind of, um, and I think this is the silver bullet, is elders are not, don't just emerge so we have an emergence of a man who's qualified and therefore he is an elder elders very clearly in scripture in both the book of acts but in particular titus chapter one are appointed and so that differentiates um maybe a functional role of a person acting in a mature position in the church from the office of elder so i would believe that that elder and deacon are two officers in the church. And as officers, they are officers that are that people are appointed to. And let me just say that part of that appointment process includes church involvement. So the church is involved in selecting its leaders. We see that again in Acts chapter 6. And I would appeal to the church being involved in all aspects, in all these kind of big aspects of the life of the church, whether that be the appointment of elders or any other kind of big decisions the church is involved in. And so because the church is involved in the selection of their leaders and because leaders are specifically appointed, I don't think it's necessarily everyone that just meets the qualification stands in the role, just emerges naturally into the role. There's a process involved in it and that is one of appointment. I'll give you the opportunity to reply, brother. But then I want us to get to the bigger issue of of church health in Africa and why this conversation is so important because we want healthy elders <laughs> in churches. Sure. And, and, and I think that, that the discussion is, 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 is extremely helpful and to be able to reason things out from the scriptures. And even if we don't see eye to eye is we understand each other. If I have a desire, if I have the gift is I believe I have been appointed by God. And if I recognize that in any other man, I believe it is my responsibility is to, is to, it's to help him. It's to, it's to push him forward. It's because he has been qualified by God. Um, and, and I think that the Holy Spirit actually knows as to, as to who is going to be needed in a particular place. Uh, you mentioned Acts uh, chapter six. I I think that that those men uh, they began as a deacon, then it became something else. It became an evangelist, but at that particular time, um, it's 
the only qualification is to serve, then is this person is apt to teach. I have to use him. I have to. I, is I have to hand him the pulpit if he's able. Um, he's been sent by God, but I can move on. Well, brothers, I mean, let let's move on because I do think that the the more important conversation or what kicked this off is the conversation relating to the healthy church is one that is led by a plurality of godly, biblically qualified elders who are held accountable to God's word by each other and the members of their local church. I, I want to unpack that for a bit because that isn't really what I think we see as the default position through the church in Africa. And whilst we might differ um, in terms of who qualifies or who ought to be in the position, I think where we kind of come together again is this conversation around that we do want healthy elders over individual local churches and we want those men to be held accountable by each other and by the local church. Amen. Why don't we see that presently? Fear. What do you mean by fear, Hashemi? It's we have an idea that the man is the head pastor and whatever he says goes. Okay. And so if he isn't sleeping with another man's wife, it's okay as to everything else he's doing. And, and that is extremely unhealthy. So, so and, and maybe just to be clear, we're talking about a kind of strong man at the top of an organization. And in reality, whether or not you have elders appointed is insignificant. Uh, the men don't function in any kind of form of accountability for him. And the church, in reality, doesn't hold him to account in either. It's do, a heartbreaking do, do, thing. Do, do, do we see that through, through Africa? Is that the status? Is that the standard status quo? Everywhere I go. Um, and it's in every country. It could be Africa. It could be in the USA. As That's, I often, it's, so it's so this is song. endemic across the entire yes. church. So this is a hum, possibly a human condition rather than something that is peculiar to it, our continent. It is. It is. Uh, it's peculiar here. Um, in Nigeria, is the strongman culture. But in a healthy church, the scriptures rule. And if the pastor is wrong, is a responsibility of the body of Christ, of the elders, to speak to him and say, um, this, this, this particular place here is an error. It's everything else you're doing is right, but here is wrong, sir. Mm. And he must heed scripture. Temple, your experience of uh, of the church in Africa, the church in South Africa, the church that that, yeah. that you serve, and the churches around there. Yeah, I think um, my experience uh, is that we we are living in a deprived world. So, a lot of things which say they are, they they are not. Um, Come, what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, many, many years ago, before my my time, there was a a philosopher, a Greek philosopher, who lived by the name of Socrates. Mm. And um, Socrates once said, "There are what he called true disciplines and false disciplines." And he said, 
that the true disciplines, he named three, if I can remember. He said one is uh, philosophy, the second one is gymnastics, the other one is uh, medicine. Okay. And he says there are false ones which mimic these ones, which is rhetoric, meaning the art of public speaking. Mm. It, 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 it mimicked philosophy. Mm. Um, fashion mimicked um, gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, medicine was mimicked by culinary arts. Okay. So, so even then, many times, uh, many years back, people were struggling with this thing of, is this the real thing or is this not the real thing? So there are many things we call church which are not necessarily church. There are many things I've seen now evangelism and missions are replaced by marketing. So, mm -hmm. so, so that's where many people are leaning towards, not necessarily evangelism as the Bible has said, go into. So we are trying yes. to come up with nice strategies to draw people in. So even now, when we talk about pastors or churches or what, there's so much that looks like it, but it's not it. So mm -hmm. now in, in, in Africa, and I, think, I don't think this started in Africa. I think Africans, they they adopt and they mimic things. Um, if I would ask you who's the biggest followed uh, preacher in the world, I would even, you would be even surprised that they are not sound, they are not re reformed in a way, meaning biblically, they are not gospel-centered, mm. but they are celebrities. So we have adopted this celebrity culture into the African and um, South African church. So yes. people are trying to be the big man. They are trying to be popular. It's about likes. It's about. It's no longer about what we uh, read about in First uh, Timothy chapter three or Titus two. Th th those are not. It's it's about popularity, and as a result, people build empires mm -hmm. for themselves rather than churches, sound churches for Christ. These are people who have followers, uh, not disciples, yes, in, yes. which is another mark of uh, of a good church, discipleship, um, mm. as Jesus has said. It, there's no church membership. It's just followers. You just go in when you, you want to go in. And yeah. So, fill, a, fill a room. Yeah. Thumbs and seats. So, so that is what is happening in this, in this age and time. And I would just name it the celebrity popularity um, uh, culture, which, which I see here. Big men. Uh, people are walking around with bodyguards and having their Bibles carried for them and blue lights when they come to the church. And this is what people, when they say, I'm going to church, most people in Africa and in South Africa are drawn to towards. Sure. Yeah, when, when it comes to biblical leadership, uh, I, I just want to stress, because I don't think we've had the opportunity, although it has... It underlines what we've been speaking about. We've we've been really focused on the strong man. Um, so what what is the antidote to the strong man? And I believe it's the plurality of elders. Um, mm. um, and I, I firmly believe in a plurality of elders, not an equality of elders, because um, men are not equally gifted. They don't have equal responsibility in mm. terms of the operations within the context of a local church. Some men might be full time. Some men might be part time. Um, so it's not an equality of elders, but I do believe in a plurality of elders that 
each man is to contribute. Um, each man is to stand before God. Each man is to be involved in leadership. Each man is to hold each other accountable. Um, when it comes down to it, a plurality of leadership is the antidote uh, to much of what we see is wrong with the church and a strong man culture within the context of the local church and the local church in Africa in particular. Um, and so if I was looking for a healthy church, I would look for a church which is defined by a plurality of elders which holds one another accountable and indeed is held accountable by the local church which they lead. And that doesn't mean that the elders are subject to the church. It means that the elders lead the church, but the elders remain accountable to the people that they serve. And they themselves are part of the church. And they themselves are part of the church. They they lead the flock from amongst the flock. They are mm. under shepherds of the great shepherd, um, Jesus Christ. Um, Valna says, Tepo, I so much agree. Uh, thank you, Charles, for your comment. I really enjoy that. Um, Natasha um, greets and Frank uh, also sends out greetings. Guys, thank you so much for your engagements. Mimi sends in a question. And Glenn, uh, thank you for your contribution as well. Really appreciate that. I want to put one other mark on the board before we go for a quick song break i sense um, some gloom here <laughs> well <laughs> a, a gloom or, 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 or this is what i believe is actually the penultimate is that the top or is penultimate one under the top penultimate is like like through the roof right mm. it's pentacle okay so I, I i truly believe that um as far as marks are concerned um, the first litmus as you walk into a church that you're looking for is biblical preaching. I, I think we started at the right place. It's the biblical preaching of the gospel and expository preaching in particular, where the main point of a text is the main point of the sermon, and it's applied into the lives of all the listeners that are there, both believers and unbelievers. I, I, I believe that that's the, the kind of the easiest way to say, am I in a church which is heading in the right direction Amen. or not? I do believe that the other marks that we've spoken about, whether it be evangelism, whether it be, um, um, what else, church membership um, and engagement, those kinds of things, and church leadership, I, I believe that all of these are important. But when it comes down to it, if a church is healthy or not, I think is defined by this one mark, and it is church discipline now let me tell you what church because church discipline sounds a bit scary right when you think of discipline you think of something that you have to do with your three or four year old you know put them in a corner or give them a spank whatever it might be um discipline is like uh, scary and sore stuff um and church discipline surely has a bad rap because i think many of us have probably seen church discipline done wrong i'm not talking about church discipline done wrong i'm talking about church discipline done right and then i will after i explain and give a definition of what church discipline is i will explain why i believe this is the litmus of a healthy church Church discipline done right is both formative and corrective. It's formative in this way. The whole way through our Christian life, we need brothers and sisters to come next to us and exhort us and encourage us and correct us and rebuke us toward the image of Christ using scripture all the way. I mean, I need that in my life all the time. I need guys that are friends with me to come next to me and say, Mark, what you said there was incorrect, brother. 
you need to course correct and head back towards Jesus. I need someone to come next to me and say, hey, Mark, I observed this in your behavior. In reality, you are called to a higher calling than this. You need to course correct and head back towards Jesus. I need that all the time. And so does every single believer in Christ. Formative discipline is what happens in the context of healthy discipleship in every single church, which is practicing discipleship at all. It's when we come next to one another and we are involved in the formative discipline encouraging and pushing and prodding one another toward true transformation that God might be glorified in our lives. But church discipline doesn't end there. Church discipline includes corrective discipline. That's what Jesus speaks about in Matthew chapter 16. 18. 18. Thank you very much. I always get 16 and 18 confused. 16 is the profession. 18 <coughs> is the discipline where he says, look, if you see a brother in sin, um, go to him. Speak to him one on one. If you win your brother over, praise the Lord. If not, go with a friend so that everything can be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. If he still doesn't listen to the two of you, take it to the church. Amen. And if you won't listen to the church... Put him out and treat him like a Gentile. Now, we can get into what putting him out and treating him like a Gentile means. I don't believe in shunning. I believe that means that you recognize that this brother is not putting on display um, the attributes of a born-again believer. And so you withdraw your affirmation of their salvation uh, of your of your affirmation of your soul of their salvation and you preach the gospel to them they sit under the preaching of god's word you, you, you're still wanting to win your brother over you don't stop talking to them but be that as it may the reason now that's the definition of what church discipline is it's both formative and it's corrective but the reason why i believe that this is the litmus that's sits at the tip of the iceberg if a church is exercising church discipline if you go to a new church and you say hey i want to know if you're healthy if uh, one of the questions that you ought to ask is when was the last time you disciplined someone out of the church what was the reason why you disciplined do you ever see anyone coming back um after discipline uh, while those questions i believe are so important is because they relate to every other mark that you might talk about you know when you're talking about evangelism and missions you're really talking about the gospel and you're talking about conversion uh, the reality is true conversion results in changed behavior. Church discipline relates to the behavior of those who profess Christ. When you talk about church membership, discipline relates to church membership because church discipline defines who's in and who's out. When it comes to discipleship, discipline relates intrinsically to discipleship because formative discipline is discipleship and corrective discipline is part of the discipleship process. Church discipline relates to church leadership because in reality it takes leaders to nurture and to love their people and to present what needs to be presented both in terms of teaching but also in terms of uh, situational awareness um, to their members in a loving way in order to allow discipline to happen in ways which are not destructive to the church but are constructive to the church. Church discipline relates to um, the preaching ministry of a church. <clears throat> the preaching ministry rises or falls 
upon the acquisition of God's people, of God's word, and then the application of that word into their lives. And church discipline ultimately um, is one of the mechanisms which God uses to draw people who have listened to God's word but who refuse to obey God's word, who are unrepentant in whatever moment they are faced, um, back into the fold of God. And so I believe that church discipline is the litmus of church health. You can't say that your church is healthy if it's not exercising discipline, um, uh, formative discipline, corrective discipline, um, and in all likelihood your church is unhealthy if your church knows nothing of discipline. I mean, I'm just putting that out there. Uh, Tepo, what are your kind of feelings on that topic? Um, yeah, I think uh, it's uh, it's one of, of the marks um, of, of a healthy church, and uh, we we had to do it uh, many times, <coughs> and uh, always it didn't have the desired effect. Um, there are those who were worn back to faith, as when, and and normally people think of church discipline at uh, like at the the last level uh, where Jesus Christ says, "You, if a brother does not hear the church." Uh, put him out or treat him that's where we we but where it starts he says if if you see anything that your brother does you go you 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 and i think that's where a lot of church discipline um happens um and i would say there's as you've said mark there's a um formative and that what is the other one you is corrective 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 yeah but there's also an informal and a formal um, way of church discipline where I go speak to my brother one on one that would mm-hmm. be an informal rebuke, uh, yeah, yeah um, the way of looking at church discipline mm-hmm. so we have done it but there are others that we have I remember this one person we had to say I no, you, you are no longer recognized by us as <laughs> one of our members because of many times they they refused to, to listen they even left their homes and went and lived somewhere else and so forth and we had to yeah, yeah. other people say excommunicate <laughs> yeah. um, and the person went to another church um, <laughs> and when they got there praise god the church was sound because after a while they asked what happened and you know people they're excited to tell them yeah those guys they chased me away or something so luckily that that pastor asked, hey, can you bring the letter you say they sent to you? And the pastor read the letter that we wrote to this person and said, we would ask you not to come here again. <laughs> and then they are now at some other church serving. And, and so, but the last time I spoke to the person is, is exactly because I reached out even afterwards. I said, look, church discipline is not like the the last straw that breaks a camel's back it's 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 a loving act of god's people so and and i encourage that person find your way back to to the lord find ask god repent and 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 god is not uh, thrown you like away uh, and, and so forth but he's he's calling you and he has been doing that from the time we started dealing with this even now and mm. I'm happy to see that person at, at, at another church. I'm hoping that they have repented, they've fixed. Because it's not even about like God's people. Uh, the problem 
lies in where there's a problem with a person and his or her God. That's where the, the, the church is just an instrument of, I mean, Jesus usually says these words that people like to quote, uh, where two or more gather in my name, mm. there I am. Mm. In their midst. So the church is not, it's acting, it's acting as an instrument of God to discipline his own children. Mm. But the, the main thing is between me and God. It's not between me and Mark. Or, so Mark is just an instrument of God to just call me to line and say, brother, um, you are not living up to what the word of God says. A couple of comments from the listeners. Penny says, I believe that a truly saved, redeemed Christian would welcome church discipline. If I were doing something wrong, even unawares, I'd want someone in pastoral authority to speak to me. Um, and praise the Lord. And, and and maybe to say, Penny, it's not even pastoral authority. Um, the only authority that your pastor has is when they've got the Bible in their hand and they're quoting chapter and verse. Now, this is when a believer lovingly and restoratively um, comes next to another believer, pointing them to the person of Jesus Christ. doesn't have to be the pastor. In fact, if it's the pastor, the bigger the church gets, the more unlikely it's going to happen. <laughs> the, the, the reality is a healthy church, everyone in the church is going to be involved in moving everyone toward the image of Christ. And then Velma uh, says, I think members should be encouraged to read the Bible more because many preachers take advantage of the fact that many members do not know the word of God. Amen to that Velma Um, we really do need to become a Bible reading nation a Bible reading people if we desire and and hope to see revival happening in our lifetime it will only happen as the Spirit of God uses the Word of God in the people of God to His praise and glory Hey Shamu, anything to add? I mean, we, we're kind of coming to the end of the show. We've been talking about various different marks of the healthy church in Africa. We've spoken about things like preaching. We've spoken about leadership. We've spoken about um, uh, church discipline. We've spoken about uh, evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, just as we go through all of these, any, anything really uh, hit your heart? Anything that you want to engage on? Or any any mark of a healthy church that you want to add into the pot before we come to an end it's the thing that is really that is um, on my heart as uh, brother tempo was speaking and 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 the whole conversation is the fear of god Mm. if the church if the body of christ in a local place if it has the fear of god and it is going to act according unto the scriptures and it has an understanding. Um, it, 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 it has the gospel and the Holy Spirit's power that is opening the scriptures. If the men, if the women in that church, if they fear God and obey God and get back unto the scriptures, it's everything else, it will work out. If a brother is an error, as you go speak to him, but every sermon is to be lived by everybody, and it begins with the preacher. It's every word he speaks, he's obligated in repentance, in faith, and in love is to be obedient. That will be a healthy church. It will be um, healthy leaders. It will be Every person is accountable unto what the scripture says. Mm. Love it. Tipple, anything to add? Come on. 
throw in an extra mark before we close out the show. <laughs> um, I think yeah, another mark I will throw in there is um, the conversion, uh, that the church is not just made up of members who submit to the church, or, but people who really are converted by, by conversion, I mean born again, um, made into because the Bible says in um, Acts two forty seven that the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. Yes. That's a specific group of people. Yes. God didn't add those who were listening, those who were there, those who were excited. So conversion, I think, and it makes all these other things also work. Um, because why would I? I listen to a group of men telling me or a group of um, church telling me what I must do with my life or not mm. unless I'm converted, um, unless God has done a work in, in, in my heart. So I've said a healthy church in Africa is a gathering of the converted. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. Uh, I mean, in, in reality, we, we have too many churches that are a gathering of goats rather mm. than a gathering of sheep. sheep. And then the preaching is preaching to goats. It has mm. no gospel power, no spirit-driven power. Uh, and we're surprised that we are seeing a church which is hamstrung, a church mm. which is uh, uh, impotent in our day and age. It's because uh, we have gatherings of people who have not been saved by God and therefore do not have the power of God, mm. um, never mind what the um, glossy ads uh, say about no. them. And so a healthy church in Africa is a gathering of the converted. If, if I could add mm. one more mark, um, and this is probably, this is the only mark that's controversial. In actual fact, up until now, I think the marks that we've been speaking about are pretty much align well with what might be called the nine marks of a healthy church, a book that was written by Mark Dever. Um, and uh, I think is is certainly amongst the churches that I engage with, uh, a book which is held in fairly high regard. Um, the nine marks of a healthy church being preaching, biblical theology, the gospel, conversion, evangelism, membership, discipline, discipleship, and leadership. And I think all the marks that we've spoken about um, up until now um, align fairly well with those. Uh, let me offer a mark which is, I think, unique in the African context. Uh, context and certainly a mark which is a unique distinctive in terms of my own set of beliefs a healthy church in africa's worship is tested against god's word mm -hmm. a healthy church in africa's worship is tested against god's word now we could get into the technical mumbo jumbo of speaking about regulative and normative mm. principles of worship now, this has got nothing to do about the language that you sing in it's got nothing actually to do with whether you use drums or not but it does have to do, although some would take it to that extent. Um, I'm not advocating for Western worship. Uh, I went and visited the church in Mamelodi a few weeks ago and was blown away by my friend Sibu Cecil's um, uh, leading, um, by the joy of the people and by the excellence of the worship that I observed. So this isn't about a style. This is about doing what scripture says we can do and not doing what scripture doesn't say we can do and any area in between applying scripture to it so only doing 
things if scripture says we can do it. That's what I believe, that a healthy church in Africa's worship is tested against God's word. Which means if you go to church on any given Sunday and they're doing things which you cannot find chapter and verse for, <laughs> um, red flag moment, friend. A red flag moment. That would include a wide range of things which are becoming increasingly popular in churches, both in suburbs and in townships uh, in our country. We've got a couple of minutes that we can talk about that, Tip, or anything that you would uh, observe or, or add there. Yeah, um, I think um, that is a, a good mark. And um, most of the time when we speak of that mark, we turn it to play in the field of, oh, this is Western, this is African, and, and so forth. But clearly, there are things that the Bible say when we gather as children of God, we are to do and we are to emphasize. And there are those which a lot of people um, may do in their churches which are not, which are, don't have biblical grounds. And somebody said, um, when whenever we do anything and we are not standing on scripture we are on shaky ground so the that is that is true and i can give examples of a lot of things that that happen especially in the african context mm -hmm. which would shock you to say to think i mean how does what does this have to do with christ but mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's done and people are happy and i think that is because m most um, I don't. I don't want to say. But most services are not. They don't follow a certain liturgy or anything. They just there to excite the crowds and to draw more crowds and and so forth. And I think as Christians, we are to look at those practices and judge them according to to the word of God. Mm. Hey, Shmi, anything to add? I mean, you've seen the church uh, all the way up Africa and across its breadth, mm. uh, and you've seen the church in the States. Uh, anything that you'd add there? Well, well we want to be um, scriptural instead of um, emotional. Uh, the scriptures say that that the women are, are to be quiet and they're not to be the pastors. I think it's an, it's an important role. I think often... In the singing, there is a reason that, that the scriptures say it's in psalms, it's in hymns, it's in spiritual songs. It's a breath of an understanding of the word of God in the place in our music. It isn't only, I'm going to be repeating uh, the same old chorus a hundred times, um, but I want to be educated in the gospel even as I sing, it's each and everything is unto the glory of God. And so as to whether it's with the drums or as, as to you use the piano is I don't care. I mean, I have my, um, is I have my own preferences as to what I want to groove to, but in the worship of God, I mean, it isn't about us. It's about him. And so we want to do it each and everything unto the glory of God in accordance with the scripture in the light um, of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we can maybe unpack this in uh, future episodes, but maybe just to now say um, right up front that I believe that within the context of the New Testament, worship ought to look like this and no more. The reading of God's word, 
the preaching of God's word, the praying of God's word, the singing of God's word, Amen. and the seeing of God's word in the ordinances of believers' baptism in the Lord's table. Possibly the giving of God's word can be included there. Um, as you take a look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapters what's it, eight and nine. Um, but but the, 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 there's a little bit of contention in terms of that one. Um, and even that might be worth talking about um, in the future. But read, preach, pray, sing, and see God's word is what we ought to see in a worship service and makes a great filter for some of the things that we see in worship services that I believe um, are a-biblical. Friends, we've been talking about... Um, Healthy Church, the Healthy Church in Africa, the kinds of marks that make up the Healthy Church in Africa. I've certainly enjoyed the conversation. I hope you as the listeners have enjoyed the conversation. Would love to hear feedback from you. You can send that feedback in via WhatsApp. You can send that feedback in on comments on Facebook. You can send that feedback in uh, directly to the station. If you go to www.radiopulpit.co.za, you can find our contact details there. We are coming to the end of the show for this morning. I'm going to uh, outrow by saying you've been listening to Table Talk with me, Mark Penrith, your host, together with Tepo and Heishamu. We're going to be going to news shortly. Until then, we're going to be listening to Oliver Lane singing Women at the Well until next week, Friday. Walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously. God bless you. I heard a story from the Bible